that I know how much you love spending time with the Lord throughout the day. Talk to me about the scene when you're spending time with the Lord. Yes, so my morning, I wake up, I hit brew on my coffee, and then the next thing I do is I light my candles. It sets a whole morning vibe for me. Mm, talk to me about the, the candle that you're loving right so now. So right now, I'm digging this Spirit and Truth candle that is sunflower. It has a whole like summer to fall scent to it. I love it. Mm. And I love that Spirit and Truth candles each are created with a biblical attribute or truth with an accompanying scripture. Sunflower is gentleness and I'm just digging it. But I love even more that each one of these candles is made at home, poured in small batches with care and prayer in each candle they make. Oh man. So listen, ladies, if you love candles as much as we do, check out Spirit and Truth Company at spiritandtruthco.com or you can find them on their IG handle at Spirit and Truth Candle Co. And right now you can purchase with the promo code TUCW, which gives you 15% off. So enjoy your candles, y'all. Christian Woman Podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for their everyday lives. I'm Tashiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross. And we're your hosts. This is season four. This season, we've got some exciting things in store. So join us as we study God's word, celebrate women living faithfully on mission, and dive into cultural issues through a biblical lens. You ready, Tashiba? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's, let's go. go. Urban Christian Woman Podcast. We are so grateful to be joining you guys today as we talk about in the beginning, we are navigating a study through the book of Genesis, the story of God and the world from Genesis 1 through 11. And Leah and I have been so blessed um, as we have been journeying through the text. I'm telling y'all right now, um, just as a person who reads God's word, love God, loves God's word, Genesis 3 and 4 has been a whole awakening. <laughs> internal revival. An internal revival, a understanding of true sorrow towards mm-hmm. sin, yeah. but also a hope towards why sin is revealed mm-hmm. in my life. And yeah. so, whoo, yeah. I am so excited yeah. um, to be able to be sitting here and joining you wherever you are um, to talk about these texts. Yeah. I know that, Leah, you and I were talking about this, how oftentimes women um, who we disciple, even when we were, I think in my younger years, I would say, we would run from Genesis 3 and 4. Who want to be talking about sin, you know? Yikes. Mm -hmm. There's (laughs) a lot lot, um, here that we're going to unpack today. So listen, make sure that your Bible is open. If you haven't downloaded the Genesis companion guide to um, navigate and walk with us through the uh, chapters, please do so. And let's jump in, Leah. Yeah. We're talking right about Genesis 3 and 4. How yeah. is how is this intro a sin? Yeah. Talk about how this whole thing shakes down. Right. So, yeah. So, today we're digging into Genesis 3 and 4. Um, this is the narrative continued, right? So, we have uh, all of Genesis is a narrative. Um, this is an account uh, for the people of Israel. This is an account in 3 and 4 of the fall, of the entrance of sin into the world God's judgment for sin and the curse on Satan. And then this like story of the divergence of two families. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. that's where we're at in three and four. And so Genesis three is really going to dial in on the fall, which is really just uh, us talking about the entrance of sin into the world and the implications of it. And then Genesis four is the playing out of the, of the story of Cain and Abel, which girl, I mean... <laughs> 
Listen, we we had to stop is, ourselves yeah. at a certain point. At a certain point, so <laughs> so much there. Yeah, we've talked a lot, and I just want to hit on this right now before we really start digging in. We talked to you guys in the background about meta narrative. These four right. themes that are in the story of the Bible, which is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Mm-hmm. Genesis one through eleven gives us a clear picture of all of these themes on display. Genesis 1 and 2 was creation. Genesis 3 and 4 are going to be the fall. So talk about our key takeaway, uh, Leah. Yeah, I mean, so in 3 and 4, we're looking really at humankind, despite being in the perfect presence of God, falls to temptation and chooses sin over fellowship with God and obedience to God. And so the implications of their choice is widespread, it's long-lasting, and it is profound, y'all. It's profound because the way that it's going to play out is mm. is really, I mean, it's for the rest of, of the existence. I mean, we're still playing Conti- it out. Yeah. We're Actually, still, we're still playing it out. We're still playing it out. I don't want to say that, other than con- we're still playing it out. Because it's a continuance. It's yeah. a continuance. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is, so that's really what we're looking at is just the, how sin enters and the implications of it. Um, and then, you know, as we look into what is happening in this passage, Let's look at the key players as we do. So who are the key players uh, in Genesis 3 and 4? Yeah, the key players are God. And when you look in the text, you will see a clear distinction of the word, the Lord God Elohim. We'll talk about um, who he is and what that um, entails as God, as Elohim. Then we'll see the serpent. We'll see Adam, we'll see Eve, we'll see Cain, Abel, and then Lamech in parallel to Seth. So what's going on in the text? In the text, there is this storied account of God's command toward Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve's sin in the garden ends in a broken relationship and separation from God. God's response to their sin and the implications both in their lives and the world around them begin to take place. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about when this is taking place, let's really lean into this a little bit. I want to spend just a brief moment yeah. talking about this because as we talk about that scripture is one narrative, mm-hmm. many of us have not um, have not learned. I just recently, as I'm continuing to be mm-hmm. a student of the word, am growing to see that this Genesis account is connected to the five books, the historical narrative books mm-hmm. of the law, um, which are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. So these five books are connected. So when you hear people say Pentateuch, that's yes, the five books. That's the five books. That's the five books. And so it's taking place... Uh, When Moses, who has written, he's writing these books to the people of Israel or the children of Israel as a historical narrative of who they are and what God's plan and desire is for his creation. Moses wrote these five books and what is happening at the end of the fifth book, which is Deuteronomy. They are leaving the wandering of 40 years. Listen, listen to what we're saying. Leaving the wandering of 40 years, and they are entering to take possession of the land. And so Moses is writing with that view in mind. Mm-hmm. After in Genesis 1 and 2, God is forming and filling creation and God commissioning his image bearers, man and woman are now being called to fill the earth and subdue it. So to work the ground and keep it. And Moses is sort of giving them these marching orders mm-hmm. of who they are and what God's plan is and desire for yeah. them. We talked about it sort of as the origin story, right? right. So Moses, as, as they're standing on the brink of the promised land, he's like, let me give you your origin story, just so we know where we're coming from, where we've been, and and just so you know who God has been this whole time. And then, like you said, it's a commissioning into yeah. receiving the land that God has promised them yeah. by knowing exactly their whole origin story so they know who they are as they enter in to possess the land. And so, yeah, there's there's this whole framework, this whole context mm-hmm. that if you remember like who wrote this and who he was writing it to, 
then that helps you understand like why certain things are highlighted and mm-hmm. and what the themes are. So as we, you know, even as we continue to talk about the themes, it's going to be really important that like why we call these themes is because this is what Moses really wanted to double down for the people yeah. as it was written and for us because we are again God's people. Yeah. Um and so those themes are just as valuable for us as well. Yeah, so where is this taking place? We're going to see um that it it is still hinging itself in the garden in chapter 3 and then after um the sinful choices of Adam and Eve, they are going to be sent out east of Eden. Mm And we will uh, continue to follow out of the east of Eden into what is the land of not. So mm-hmm. it's almost it, you can even in these uh, in the way that these things are taking place, mm-hmm. it is a visual parallel to the choices of what sin does. Mm-hmm. It separates us. So God's presence, God's where life exists, where. Uh, the knowledge of getting all of that, the center of creation, and because of choices, there is this separation where we are moving further and right. further away, mm-hmm. away from God as humans, uh, as people made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. But good news is coming, honey, because we're moving closer and closer to yeah. the cross. Come on now. Okay. Come on. We have a church already. Already, already. So why is this taking place? We already sort of articulated Mm -hmm. a lot about that, but we really want to land in on that this is an origin story so Mm -hmm. that they would know as they go in to possess the land that they are set apart and chosen by the one true God to reveal the triuneness of who God Mm -hmm. is as the God of all creation to the nations in which they engage. All right, so talking about these repeated words, we have the Lord God Elohim. We have uh, the words see and saw, right? You have the present and the past, the word know and knew in present and past. And then you have these words hid and naked, cursed, pain, good and evil, and then east of Eden. Leah, talk to us about these key verses. So we're pointing out that our key verses are uh, Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So we nailed that really as a key verse uh, because it, it, it is what shows us, right, the shadow of what is to come. And then also as a key verse, Genesis 4.7 uh, when God is speaking to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And like you said, God is uh, from from this point on really giving these warning signals, these flashing lights. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as as we become more and more distant from God, like He's He's gracious to give us these warning signals. And this is the first example of that. Uh, warning against the 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 uh, temptation towards sin, and the really like the desire for sin to just completely destroy us. Yeah, talk to us about. We have a key word and definition yeah. that we really want to hear, and we've already said it like a hundred times already. But yeah. because this these two chapters are all about sin, but yeah, let's just take a minute and define sin. Is um, is going outside of God's perfect and good boundaries for His creation and His created order, right? And so, when we talk about um, God's good boundaries, we could even go back. I mean, we talked about it in the episode of Genesis one and two that um, boundaries are a function of God. Like He created boundaries even in the creation, even mm-hmm. in the earth. Um, And he gave Adam and Eve boundaries in the garden and God's character is good and therefore his boundaries are good. So this origin of sin, as we saw even at the beginning of of, uh, chapter three, is questioning and doubting God's character and questioning and doubting his boundaries. And then ultimately sin is transgressing those boundaries, um, going outside God's good and perfect order for creation and for us. Yeah, so let's let's talk uh, a 
about the attributes of God. This is so key because the Bible is a story about God. So if we can't see God for who he is, we mm-hmm. won't be able to see ourselves. We've talked about that, um, you know, on the podcast. So the attributes of God that we see, the character of God that we see, we see um, him as Elohim. Elohim is the infinite, all-powerful God who shows by his works that he is the creator, sustainer, and supreme judge of the world. And we are going to be able to see that as we get into the narrative of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Um, And so, yes, Elohim. Then we also see that God is omniscient. That means that he's all-knowing. That God is omnipotent. That means that he's all-powerful. That he is judge and he is just. Mm -hmm. So that means that... um, Um, He is the one who has the ability to make judgment over his creation and pronounce judgment over his creation because he has the all-knowing right as creator to be judge and is judge. And so because of that, God is just and God's justice operates through consequence. Mm -hmm. And then we see that God is holy. And because he is holy, that means that he is set apart. There is no one else like him. And as his creation, we mirror him being holy by pursuing holiness. Mm -hmm. And then we see him as triune, father, son, and spirit. We see this us language still continuing. Mm -hmm. We see that he is still good. We're going to see that he's still good as we go through the text. Merciful. That means that he is not giving us what we rightly deserve when we choose to go outside of his boundaries through um, sin. choosing sin and then he is gracious he is full of grace and so um yeah we're we're gonna see all of these on display as we go through genesis ladies we're kicking off this season studying genesis 1 3 11 and wanted to tell you about a great resource that you can use along with the podcast y'all we are dropping a study guide just for you called in the beginning it's a great companion as you journey through the book of genesis chapters 1 through 11 with us you can access this free online download on our website theurbanchristianwoman.com under resources and sharing is caring. Use this guide and tell a friend or get a group of ladies in your local church and go through Genesis 1 through 11 with them too. We'd love to get this resource as well in the hands of more urban women. Ladies, please support us by leaving an iTunes review, hitting those stars, and tag us. Just tag us on your social media as you're growing in God's word with us and even using the And let us know how it's blessing you. You can find us online at theurbanchristianwoman.com, on social media at theurbanchristianwoman. Even drop us a line, a DM, an email. Anything, girl. Anything. A a, a dove? Yeah. or, (laughs) Or if you're on Facebook, you can also leave us a message there as well. Just let us know how the ministry as well as the resource is blessing you. So this is the nitty gritty. Now let's talk about these things. This is the nitty gritty. And so, yeah, just again, we're looking back towards, they're looking back towards the past. And then we get a chance to use these passages to look at what Christ has done and then find those connecting points. So we're looking, when we talk about the themes, we're looking at these threads that go throughout all of scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, what is Moses trying to make sure the people hear and understand? And what is God trying to make sure we hear and understand? Okay, mm-hmm. as we look at Genesis three and four, come and on. So now. we're going to talk about these themes, and then we're going to dig into where we see them in the text. And um, so, open your so Bible, open your Bibles to Genesis three. And in Genesis three, we see the first theme that we see is this pathway to sin, mm-hmm. and then its consequences. Right. Mm. So in in the in the just jump off of Genesis three. Uh, we see that Satan begins to put into question the character of God in, in Eve's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks her right out the gate, mm-hmm. did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Right? So he's, he's putting into question immediately the character of God. 
um, and mm-hmm. and beginning to plant that doubt mm-hmm. in Eve's mind. And the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, mm-hmm. you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, now she, she went, a little, a little extra over, mm-hmm. right? Eve doesn't remember or know or recount uh, um, accurately what God said, so she ends up adding to it. Mm-hmm. And this poor knowledge allows her to be tempted and led away by her desires because she has then expounded even more than what God, God didn't say, neither shall you touch it lest you die, mm-hmm. right? But she's added to that, and her lack of understanding has allowed her to be led away and tempted into into this uh, sin of mm-hmm. her desires. Mm-hmm. And then you get to verse five, right, Leah? And it says, for God knows, this is the serpent speaking to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So we see mm-hmm. Satan not only putting into question the character of God in Eve's mind, but he is actually sowing seeds mm-hmm. of doubt yeah. He's sowing seeds of discord where Adam and Eve are operating in a unity of goodness with God. Yeah. He is sowing seeds of discord. Right. So right. we see we see Satan putting into question God's character in Eve's mind. And then we see this pattern of uh, sin, the sin pattern of see, desire, take, consume Mm -hmm. is how sin is conceived and gives birth. Mm -hmm. And so um, Eve doesn't actually know. She doesn't remember what God has said. And so not only does she add to it, she has a poor knowledge. Mm -hmm. And because of her poor knowledge is leading her away by her desires. And because of that, we see the entrance of the implications of how sin enters. Sin allows this pattern to take place of seeing, desiring, taking, consuming, um, and and bringing forth sin. So talk to us a little bit about the character, God's character revealed. Right, So the other thing that we see is God's character revealed in his response to this sin, right? So Mm -hmm. this this whole thing pops off where where Eve takes and eats, and then she offers to Adam, uh, and he ate as well. And then the implications of sin come tumbling down on them. And at this point, the Lord is in the garden and he calls to the man and says, where are you? Mm -hmm. And this invitation, this question, we're going to talk about that later, is actually an invitation for exposure. Now, now God is holy, right? So we see God's character revealed in his response to sin that he must judge their sin, right? He must because he's holy. And um, the consequences then are dealt out. The consequences of sin are dealt out when God says to, and, and what I, what I uh, found was so unique too, when we were talking about this earlier, like he, um, he addresses Adam first, then he addresses Eve. Mm-hmm. Then he pronounces to the he he actually questions Adam, questions Eve. Mm-hmm. He don't question the serpent. No, he does because not. there's no there's no confession or exposure. There there already is the the judgment. Mm-hmm. Talk about for it. Satan has already been done. So Satan is operating out of. Um, he he needs no questioning because right. he no has already chosen his yeah. choices. He's already chosen. He's already chosen his way. And right. There's, there's not there's not redemption to be had. Yeah. And so that this questioning is drawing out, right? Drawing out this opportunity to to expose, to confess, and to to receive um, God's goodness. But that obviously is not available to the serpent. And so mm-hmm. there's this sort of like a uh, pattern of him addressing Adam, then Eve, then then the serpent. And then the curse goes to the serpent, mm-hmm. and then the uh, pronouncement of judgment goes to Adam, and then to Eve. So it's almost like this uh, centrifugal circle type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so so the only the only curse though, as we talk about these consequences, the only curse is laid on Satan. And we really wanted to double down and really distinguish between uh, the curse that's laid on Satan. God says to the serpent. Because you have done these things, cursed are you above all livestock. Now, if we go down and look at what God says to the woman Mm -hmm. in 16 and then what he says to Adam in 17, Mm -hmm. um, there is pain, right? 
and there is difficulty. Mm-hmm. And even to Adam in 17, he says, curse is the ground. Mm-hmm. But the pronouncement of a curse is never on the image bearers. Come on now. Come on now. It's never on and Adam why, and Eve. And why is that? Because, because whose image are we made in? They're made in God's image, mm-hmm. and he has called them good. And so a good thing... <laughs> Yes. It's God's thing. Yeah. It is not cursed. Yes, yes, yes. So because we see that there is this distinction, what we move forward to see is not just God's character revealed in his response to sin, but we also see the differentiation between the way in which uh, humankind responds towards sin Mm -hmm. and the way that God provides for sin. Yeah. yeah. He provides for that. sin. So in 3.7, if you look at 3.7, this was so profound to me. And I don't know how I have never just sat there with the reality mm-hmm. of once Adam and Eve are aware of their sin. Well, Adam, Eve is actually um, aware of her sin and mm-hmm. Adam takes part and participates while being there. Is as their eyes are open, this is what it says in seven. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin cloths. Mm-hmm. So they become aware of their sin, mm-hmm. and then they try to cover up their sin mm-hmm. by making a temporary a temporary fix Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. towards their sin. An attempt. (laughs) An attempt. And the crazy part is that they sowed fig leaves that will decay. Right. And then fast forward to 321, and we see God in his uh, mercy and in his justice knowing all things that no, 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) there has to be something greater. And in 321, we see the difference, right? Is that it says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothe them. So we see that God is providing a sufficient sacrifice. Right, right. And we're going to enter into this, like, what is the difference between not only a a offering and a sacrifice, but what is it that God is trying to get to, knowing that Adam and Eve have seen their sin, Mm -hmm. their eyes have been opened, they tried to cover for themselves, which is a whole word Mm -hmm. of how do we try to create false fig leaves for Mm -hmm. ourselves, Mm -hmm. And only the provision of a sufficient sacrifice by God mm-hmm. is able to fully cover yeah. and clothe us. So what is God really after as he's going yeah. from their eyes are opened, they're creating their own sort of covering, it's not sufficient, and now here we are and he right. provides a sacrifice. What right. is he trying to get to, Leah? What's, what's, what's the heart of God yeah. behind this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the heart of God is to capture our hearts, that we would be fully satisfied and delighted in him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is why, like, this fall, right, is so, um, is so significant, is so devastating because... They did not delight enough in God and in his good limits, like we talked about in the first episode as yes. we went through Genesis yeah. 1 and 2. Yeah. They did not delight in his good limits, mm-hmm. um, but but actually desired more, desired something else. And so when he, when he, like you said, when he provides for the sacrifice of covering their shame, mm-hmm. he's actually saying, okay, I got that. Like mm-hmm. you said, it is me that is going to provide, but what I'm after is your heart. And so we see then the next theme that the heart 
is really what God is after. And the heart that God is after is a heart that delights in him mm-hmm. and that provi- and that worships him fully mm-hmm. for who he is. Yes. Um, and so as we go into Genesis 4, now we're going looking at the theme that shows up as we as we transition to Genesis 4. Yeah. The heart that God is after is a worshipful heart. So now we've got this story of Cain and Abel mm-hmm. where um, we have these two different offerings. Uh, and and what's really what I really feel like it's important for us to uh, just park at is these are offerings and that's different from sacrifice. And as we were studying, we were like, okay, sacrifice is covering sin, right? An offering is a is coming out of a, a place response of, of worship. Yeah, it's a response of worship. It's yeah. coming out of a place of gratitude. It's an offering yeah, of worship, mm-hmm. right? And so Cain and Abel have these two different offerings, and um, out of God's preference, God's design, there's mystery around, shrouded around it, He, God chooses to accept the offering of Abel and reject the offering of Cain. Well, actually, he says his off, he had no regard. So, I mean, that's a whole... Yeah. There's, there's mystery shrouded in that. But for this reason, God said, no, this is not the offering I desire. And what is Cain's response, right? It comes out of his heart. In verse five of, mm-hmm. of chapter four, it mm-hmm. says, "So Cain was very angry, and his face fell." And so the heart is revealed. Cain's response reveals his heart. His heart was never out of, or perhaps it was never, but in this instance, it wasn't out of uh, this gratitude or even the ability to be corrected and instructed, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to talk about later how like God really gives him these warning signals of like, no, I want you to turn. I want you to change. I want you to do this differently. Uh, but instead, he's angry and his face fell. And I and I yeah. even see that as sort of this beginning of this jealousy and this enmity yeah. between him and Abel, which leads to right. uh, this this great yeah. this great great sin of murder. Yeah. And Leah, let's let's park right there because you were talking about these warning signals. the The Lord is asking Cain in these verses, particularly um, in verse six. The Lord said to Cain, "Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted?" Mm-hmm. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Yeah. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Mm-hmm. And so we see this real intentionality of like what what God is doing is giving these warning signs to right. him. He's like, listen, your outward posture, your emotions, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? All these people be talking about the Enneagram. Those things are helpful markers. Right. Right. Okay. You know, the, the emotions are markers to help us to understand what's going on in our hearts. Right. Right. And so God is trying to get to the heart of that be and and sort of uh invite a a sort of like do you see? Right. Do you see what is coming because it is crouching at the door mm-hmm. and its desire is for you but mm-hmm. you must rule over it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah man, we see we see this on the on the horizon as these as these warnings because God in his love for us is not seeking to you know, uh, maliciously mm-hmm. uh, cause us to fall. He actually is inviting us into seeing ourselves as we are, and yeah. and 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 asking uh, for His power yeah. to do the things we are unable to do in our human nature. Yeah, yeah. And just as we talked about how there's like this slippery slope of sin, mm-hmm. then we sort of move into how. Cain in 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 ignoring these flashing warning signs is then drawn into this slippery slope that leads to ultimately him taking his brother's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the midst of that, we see the heart of God mm-hmm. uh, as as we talked about in the second theme, God's character revealed in his response to sin. Cain kills Abel. Mm-hmm. And he, and then this whole thing plays out between oh him goodness. and God. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. God, God, because he's holy, again, here's these themes, has to pronounce judgment on sin. And so he pronounces this judgment that, uh, that there's going to be uh, this fugitive wanderer sort of status on Cain. And Cain's response is like, this is too much. Mm-hmm. I literally cannot bear this. I mean, what you've done to me is too much. And folks going to come after me and kill me. And what is God's response? But God says, 
Not so. Not verse so. 15. Yeah. Verse 15, not so. Mm-hmm. Cain is like, this is, this is going to literally kill me. And God, in his merciful response, even in the face of sin, says, no, I'm going to preserve you. And so that moves us to our uh, next theme is this mark of God that he gives to Cain, uh, this mark that's, that is a mark of preservation, right? Ooh. Like we don't even know really. It's just divine protection. A divine protection. It's a divine protection because, you know, the thing is, is that some people have sort of seen it as an actual mark. Some people think it yeah. was a sign towards the city. You know, as you get into Levitical law, there are these places of refuge. Right. Regardless of what it is, right. it's a point of divine protection. Right. And we see the mark of God in other other passages of scripture and threads that we can see through scripture on the doorpost through the marking of the blood of the lamb when they're in egypt we see um yes. uh the the marking through the through the holy spirit as jesus ascends mm-hmm. he's gonna mark us with his spirit to indwell to feel us and then we see the resurrected jesus when he returns what is he gonna do he's gonna come and he's gonna have a marking mm-hmm. and it's it's gonna be tatted on Take his us side to church that says uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so the mark of God is a divine mark of protection. It is a constant protection from Genesis all the way through Revelation. So we see that mark of God. And then Leah, take us to this point of these two families. As we're entering, we're we're turning the corner. Uh, uh, Cain has now been uh, sent out. He has been, again... Uh, pushed away towards east of Eden to this place called the Land of Nod, which is also known as Wanderer, okay? He is wandering as he goes to the Land of Nod, as it is called. And when he, when we turn the corner there, we're going to begin to see Cain build a family unit and an offspring. So Leah, take yeah. us through these right. two families. So the, yeah, so there's this divergence of these two families. You have Cain's family and his offspring, which we're given a glimpse of. And, um, you know, I just kind of want to like, this is my this is my one tangent for the episode. I'm allowed one. <laughs> Am I? One right? tangent. Did I just make that up? Yeah. You can get your one tangent. Go ahead, girl. But I, I've, I, you know, as we were Lord, studying this. Are you sure you want your tangent right now? Because we have not got to, to live yet. And I know you're going to be on a tangent. But go ahead. Take your tangent. I just There's wonder. For you. I know. As we were studying. Well, I just want to, I just want to encourage like us as women, as we to study question. the Bible, mm-hmm. to wonder, right? Yeah. Like I, in there are certain things as you begin to make sense and fit God's story together, like you begin to ask certain questions of like, does this fit together, right? So I'm thinking about Cain's family and I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the fact that mm-hmm. this is, Moses is writing this to the people of Israel as they're getting ready to go into this land where there are families, foreign yep. nations throughout yep. this land that they're yep. going to have to conquer and take over. Yep. And I'm just wondering, like, is this Cain as a wanderer, is he, is this where this sort of like, all of these uh, enemy nations, if you will, or foreign nations, I, I was just wondering that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because there's this there's this perpetuation of unrighteousness that comes through Cain's line. Right. And then we have, as we were talking about, the divergence of these two families, we have Seth, which is the, the, um, the additional, the seed after Abel, who mm-hmm. was killed. Um, and mm-hmm. he is the line of righteousness through which Noah is going to come, and Noah is the family that's preserved through the flood. So mm-hmm. we have these divergence of these two families, a righteous line which is preserved and an unrighteous line which is perpetuated. And in the story of Lamech, mm-hmm. we just get this wilding out unrighteousness. Dude, just straight wilding. was straight wilding, okay? And so you see, I, I was, you know, I was, I told Leah this, I was thinking about Karen Ellis's um, comment about going, the goal of a disciple is to go from foolishness to wisdom, right. right? From folly to wisdom. But we see with Cain's family that they're just going from folly to folly. Right. So we see Cain who has now murdered his brother and the unrighteousness is perpetuated as his seed Lamech now comes down the line and he not only has two wives, 
Okay, that's his own thing. But then you also have um, him uh, making mock. Mockery. Mockery and saying, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me, like like cuss came at me and I worked with him. Okay, Mm -hmm. and he says in verse 24, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. So he's like, I'm picking up what's being put down. Oh, Lord. I'm picking up what's being put down. And it's just a whole lot of ratchetness. It's just a whole lot of ratchetness. But the crazy part is, is that God knows all things, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm so excited to get to the character of God. Because God knows all things. Mm -hmm. He's like, my... Uh, righteousness not only was not orchestrated for Cain, Mm -hmm. but it will not uh, be fulfilled through Cain's line. We have to have another seed. And y'all know it's Mm -hmm. about to go down because the seed Mm -hmm. is where Mm -hmm. salvation Mm -hmm. and righteousness Mm -hmm. is preserved. So onward we move. Onward we move, yes. We have talked about um, these themes of the pathway to sin and its consequences, God's character revealed in his response to sin in Genesis 3. And then we've talked about the heart that God is after and the mark of God in this tale of these two families in Genesis is chapter four. And so how then should we live in light of these truths? What are some of the spiritual implications that we can see? I mean, I think one of the biggest implications that we wanted to double down on is um, just an opportunity to sort of course correct some misinterpretation that uh, Genesis 3 particularly has led to uh, shame, some legalism, and even like the subjugation of the view of women, a low view of of women that is contrary to what was laid out in Genesis 1, uh, particularly around like the curse, right? And so we have an opportunity here to look at what God, what God actually said in the consequence to sin, and how that that uh, preserves the dignity of His creation, even in the midst of still having consequence for sin. Yes, you know? there is consequences for our sin, but we are not cursed as women. Amen. Leah articulated that so well that there were two things that were cursed: the serpent himself, mm-hmm. and the ground that the serpent will 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 mm-hmm. be uh, be uh, left to to. Cry and and move yeah. around on, yeah. okay? Yeah. That is it. That is it. And then mm-hmm. another spiritual implication is that when God asks a question, it is not for his knowing, but for ours, it is an invitation into the truth of our hearts and our circumstances. And I love, Leah, you and I were mm-hmm. talking about this in Genesis 3, God asking this question when he's saying, where are you, Adam? It, that is a vertical And when he's saying to Cain, where is your brother? That is horizontal. Mm -hmm. And he's doing that not for his knowing because he knows all things, Mm -hmm. but for us to see Mm -hmm. that our vertical is separated and our horizontal is being impacted through Mm -hmm. even more separation. Mm -hmm. And I love, y'all, that what he's trying to point us to when we are going vertical and going horizontal is that there is something that's to come and it is going to be a seed. Point to the sign. And the sign is the sign of the cross where where we will be made uh, uh, right and made new because of Christ. Made right and made new both vertically and horizontally. Come on in here. And so because of that, this last uh, uh, spiritual implication is that our offering to God for ourselves will never be sufficient. Mm -hmm. So these fig leaves that Adam and Eve were trying to, it's not going to shake down. Mm -hmm. Neither fig leaves nor harvest will cover the cost of sin. Even through Cain's offering, um, it's not going to cover the cost of sin. Only Jesus as a sacrifice originated by God and from God and to God is sufficient Mm -hmm. enough. And so Leah, talk to us about some of these implications personally. I mean, we see that uh, the sin that comes out provokes a whole response from God's character. As we talked about, God's character in response to sin is holy, it's just, and it's merciful. Mm. 
mm-hmm. like and and it is all sufficient, right? Like he yes. is from the beginning giving a shadow of his provision, like you mm-hmm. talked about in the covering of Adam and Eve, but then and also in sort of giving us this image and this shadow of uh, the cross horizontally and vertically. Yeah. The provision is going to come from God Himself through Christ. Yeah, even and the so, provision of the mark, right, with, with Cain as yes. well. That's another divine yes. provision. So I think, and that's particularly useful for us because you know some of us fall into this misconception that our sin produces almost this like heavy-handed uh, response from God, this shameful response from God. And really, if we look at like how God responds to sin, yes, He's just. And he also also always makes provision, merciful provision. And so I think that's an encouragement to us that in our sin that we fall into daily, God mm. responds with merciful provision. Yes, y'all. because in him and through him and to him are all things. Yes, yes, Girl, yes. go ahead. And then I think too, like really we mm. see in three and four, these long and far reaching mm-hmm. implications of sin. Y'all, if we don't understand the deep and long and far implications of sin, then we don't even understand how beautiful it is that God's response is so merciful, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We we always uh, see just the implications of sin. We don't uh, desire God as we should. We don't think his limits are good. We don't think his word is true. We don't think his character is good. We wander in these ways. And mm-hmm. so when we realize like these far-reaching implications of sin, the stuff that we struggle with even today, then we get a, a better glimpse of how, how beautiful and good and merciful his yeah. response is. Yeah. And so, you know, and we we talked about already like some of these social and cultural implications Oof. of just this brokenness mm-hmm. between Cain and Abel. Yes. Uh, this constant striving, right? And mm-hmm. and I think it was really important that we took the time to distinguish like what uh, Cain and Abel were giving was not a sacrifice, mm-hmm. but it was an offering, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't an attempt to uh, to atone make for their atonement. sin, yep, make but payment. it was a gesture of thanksgiving, yes. of gratitude. Yes. And so when uh, when we, I mean, even like in our study, we're looking at these different commentaries and stuff and people are taking spins and talking about sacrifices, but what's really showing up here is that- What's the, ma- what's the, pl- what's the plain thing? The what's the plain main thing, thing that's the plain thing? That they eat Cain was a worker of the ground and his offering was from the ground. Abel was a sheep, a sheep herder, and his offering was of the animals. And so wherever God placed them, that was the offering that came out of it. Came out of yep. where He placed them. Yep. It came out of what they have. Yep. Yeah. And so I think for us, we think about like our Comparison. offerings, right? Mm-hmm. Our gestures of mm-hmm. gratitude to mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. don't need to be something out of out of left field. It yeah. needs to be right from where God has placed yeah. us. Yeah. And what God, and not just where God has placed you, but who He has created and made you to be. Absolutely. We are in this comparison culture that is in a fallen world. And so this is why we really highlighted, Mm -hmm. um, as Leah and I were talking about this, this road of sin, how you can see, and then you can desire, and then you can take, and then you can consume it. You know what I'm saying? And then there's consequences for that. And so God is saying, I want you to bring worship from where you are placed. Mm -hmm. So, honey, if you are in your home as a work-from-home mom, a full-time-in-the-home mom, honey, that is worship, boo. Mm-hmm. If you are a school teacher, it's worship. If you are a male postwoman, that's worship. Mm-hmm. If you are a grocery line keeper, mm-hmm. uh, a, a person who works as a cashier, that's worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you are if you are a lay person, it's worship. Mm-hmm. All of our life is worship. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, where are you placed? Yeah. Bring that to me as mm-hmm. an offering. And then Leah, talk to us about how then should we live in light of Christ? Yes. Yeah. So what we, we see. see we see Christ in this passage. We see the shadow of, of Christ revealed in the text. Christ is the provision for our sin. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is from God, the perfect sacrifice. He is God, the perfect sacrifice. So we we relinquish any effort to cover up or pay for our own sin. We ain't sewing together fig leaves, Come y'all. Come on now. Come on now. This 
I mean, it, it is only Christ, the provision for our sin that is mm-hmm. sufficient. And mm-hmm. so he who knew no sin became, became sin, sin for mm-hmm. us so that we could become the righteousness yeah. of God. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. It, it could look a measure of different ways. Um, it, it could, for a, a mature believer, it can still be, it can still exist. It can look very subtle. Maybe it's your achievements. Or maybe it's living a double life. Maybe mm-hmm. it's secret sin, checking all the churchy box, mm-hmm. boxes as a form of earning this goodness mm-hmm. before God. Legalism. But listen, mm-hmm. Jesus paid it all. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. nothing that we can bring to make provision for mm-hmm. our sin. And we mm-hmm. relinquish the efforts. And like we talked about in the sacrifice and the mm-hmm. offering, when we relinquish the effort mm-hmm. to provide a sufficient sacrifice, knowing that Christ alone does that, then we are free to give our offerings of worship. Yes, yes. And we see uh, our work as worship, whatever yeah. it is, whether um, it's us spending time uh, in prayer, whether it's studying God's word, whether it's, you know, us washing dishes, yeah. all of it is whatever worship. It is. Yeah. It's and then, and mm-hmm. then I think the other thing that I would say is we are not blind to the fact we pray that there are unbelieving women listening because the unbelievers life can look um, a, a certain way as well. And you can look like you have everything going on. You can have you could be a college with a 4.0. You could be very successful, but there is this silence or this stillness of of restlessness as soon as your head hits the pillow because there is no peace because you know that you you do not live a perfect life, and so who is going to pay the payment for your imperfection? I submit to you that it's going to only be through Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. And so, uh, ladies, as we as we uh, continue to navigate um, Genesis, we're going to look to Christ um, as our provision for our sin and his divine uh, covering for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for um, your provision, God, uh, through uh, your sacrifice, through Um, from Genesis all the way to the cross, which is Jesus Christ. We thank you for that once and for all payment that allows us to be in right standing with you and to be made new. And so, Father, I pray for my sisters who um, wrestle with uh, oppression and bondage from the misuse of scriptures and deal with shame every time they fall short of your glory. Or, Father, I pray for my sisters who are leaning into a passivity, Lord God, to um, not pursue a offering to you of worship. And Father, I pray, God, that we would see, God, that you are ultimately seeking to get at what is at the core of our hearts. God, that you want us to, uh, you desire for, for us to receive your invitation vertically so that we can love the people um, who are across from us horizontally. And God, that we can uh, bring to you um, uh, offerings of, of beauty and goodness and delight and uh, an offering that is a sweet smelling savor and aroma to you. And so, Father, I pray for that. I pray for my sister who may not know you um, in the light of your son, Jesus Christ, and in the fullness of your glory. God, we pray that she would continue to listen and that you would open the eyes of her heart and set her free. God, you're even calling me to pray for the women who are in bondage towards uh, sin, repetitive sin, God, that they just feel as if they cannot be broken free from, God. This very text in Genesis 3 and 4 allows us to know that the the cross of Christ is sufficient, that the payment was sufficient, and God, that we are made new in you. And so, Father, I pray, God, that she would begin to just put one in one foot in front of the other and trust you for the next right thing as she continues to walk in the redemption of what you have done in payment for her sin. God, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We bless you. And we magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed day, ladies.